Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, and welcome to the exciting, colorful, and sometimes bizarre world of Argentine tango. On this show, we'll be meeting tango instructors, event organizers, and musicians, and they are a fascinating bunch of people. It'll be a great time, and I hope you can handle it. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and thank you very much for joining us. Today's special guest had a successful career as a competitive ballroom dancer before getting into Argentine tango. She has been certified by the American Council of Exercise as a personal trainer, and she is an assistant professor at the Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. She is also a research health scientist at the Atlanta VA Rehabilitation R&D Center of Excellence, her research has been covered by the New York Times, Scientific American, NPR, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and others. Currently, she is a researcher working intensely on rehabilitative and treatment strategies for individuals with Parkinson's disease. So what does Argentine tango have to do with Parkinson's disease? Let's find out. And with me now is Dr. Madeline Hackney. Madeline, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. So just to get right into it, can you describe the moment when you knew you wanted Argentine tango to be a big part of your life? <laughs> the moment. <laughs> or moments. Goodness. It might have been more than one. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, um, when I first learned about it, I thought it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I guess the first time I ever saw it, I think I was in the Bella Park restaurant. Oh, in New York? In New York, no, yeah. it was some other restaurant. They were they were having salsa on the top floor, okay. and they were having tango on the bottom floor. And I saw, I was I was there for the salsa, but then I wandered down oh. to the bottom floor for some reason, and I saw <laughs> the people dancing in such an exquisite way. And they had they were all dressed up. This was gosh, this was like 1999. Okay. So they had their the fishnets and the tights. I mean the fishnet tights, and they had the the heels, mm -hmm. and it just seemed pretty neat. But I didn't really get involved mm -hmm. and learn about tango until very late 2000, the year 2000 when I was being trained. Okay. Um, and then it was just one of those things that you just start going to, you start mm -hmm. going to the Malangas and it was sublime. I remember just thinking this is the coolest thing ever. Mm. And then I did my two years of dancing nightly <laughs> in New York. Nice. And, but I didn't like think that it had I really at that point in time I wasn't thinking of that it had any sort of therapeutic mm. benefits really beyond you know therapy for me <laughs> <laughs> um, so it wasn't until I went to um, I went to graduate school mm -hmm. a couple of years later in 2005 I matriculated okay. and I was looking you know that year I happened to keep dance in my mind and I saw that there was this abstract that said that Argentine tango had improved a group of people who were frail older mm, adults okay. in complex walking tasks and oh. that was really exciting and then mm. a, another abstract came out it was a PET study a positron emission tomography study mm -hmm. and this was Brown et al 2006 I think in okay. um, Cerebral cortex. Anyway, mm -hmm. the pets had folks lying on their backs in a scanner, and they did tango-like movements mm -hmm. to 
um, to two types of music. Music that was kind of like without a beat. Okay. Every music does, of course, have a beat, but music that was like it was like less mm-hmm. easy to determine the beat, okay. and the music that was very strongly rhythmical. Mm-hmm. And the, these researchers noted additional uh, putaminal activation. Okay. So the putamen is part of the brain, uh, part of the basal ganglia, which is a part that does a lot for us in terms of movement, in terms of scaling of mm-hmm. movement size, in terms of getting you to just do stuff automatically. Yeah. Anyway, they um, noted that there was more activation when people were moving in tango-like movements to this more rhythmic uh, rhythmic auditory stimulus. Okay. And so with that information, I was talking to my advisor one day about mm-hmm. what my first stick would be over the summer in between my first and second year of graduate school. Mm-hmm. And she suggested to me, since she knew that I had this background in dance, like right. very strong background in dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually continued to teach all through graduate school. Mm. Anyway, she said to me, why don't you teach people with Parkinson's the tango? And I said, hmm, sure, that's a great idea. I was excited about it. I had didn't really expect to be doing that sort of work in graduate school. Oh. I thought I'd be more just looking at mechanisms of movement in a very more laboratory-focused sense. Mm-hmm. But she suggested I do so, and I ended up figuring it out. Wow. I ended up figuring it out, and um, it was just, it worked out. It worked out serendipitously, I suppose. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, of course, with a lot of trial and error. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, so connecting tango with Parkinson's, so at the urging of your advisor, um, but at the same time, you had seen all this other research that sort of led you up to that to that point. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in research, if you're going to do something new, it's a good idea to find some sort of, something that other people have said or done mm-hmm. or demonstrated to support why you think what you think. Mm, mm-hmm. So what was the response to your idea of combining something like something so artistic like tango to the scientific research, the scientific um, area of of Parkinson's study? Because I know there's some people who are, like you said, very, very lab oriented. um, Mm -hmm. But here you are with this wonderful artistic background. So how did how what was the response to that? Was that a hard sell or was it were the scientists like, yeah, go go for it? Well, we just did the study, so we did it, and it got picked up by the Journal of Neurologic Physical Therapy, so we were able to publish the findings. Oh, nice. And um, we did receive some initial support from the American Parkinson's Disease Association, Mm. and um, also from the American Dance Therapy Association to do this work. So there was was a little bit of support right then, Mm -hmm. and this first study that we published in 2007, it actually got picked up as a scientific interest study. It got picked up by the New York Times, the science section. They Ah. actually reported on it. Oh, nice. (laughs) Towards that human interest, human interest. That's the thing I always... Mm -hmm. (laughs) The human interest. But I mean, it was in the science section of the New York Times in 2000, um, I guess, was that early 2008, maybe? I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly. But... um, yeah, so that was here. I was a graduate student. My first paper that I published gets mm-hmm. picked up by the science section of the New York Times. It's pretty. It was pretty incredible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that. So 
there was initial, you know, interest and, hey, that's kind of cool. And I think that the Mark Morris Dance for PD had somewhat paved the idea that dance could be something beneficial for mm-hmm. Parkinson's because they had already started their classes and they were getting a lot of attention, oh, not for the research they were conducting, but just for the classes that they were offering in the community. Oh, okay. And so there was already this sort of um, respect for what dance might be able to offer mm-hmm. Parkinson's. I remember Mark Morris actually... I think he spoke at the, he was invited as a guest. Mm-hmm. I think it was the World Parkinson Congress. I think that was where it was. Okay. Um, and yeah, so he was there and they, he was talking about why dance seemed to be something that could help. And there are a lot of reasons dance can help. I mean, it mm-hmm. involves not just physical fitness, which we know is good for all sorts of factors in the brain that allow the brain to do its job better, mm-hmm. but so it's you know it has this aerobic fitness component which we is more and more recognized that it's a really good thing to do but mm-hmm. it also has these cognitive elements on top mm-hmm. of that physical physical skill building and aerobic fitness mm-hmm. so the cognitive elements um, allow someone to basically perform a form of cognitive rehabilitation but it's solidly oh. integrated into the physical the physical realm so it's like a two-for-one sort of deal. Yeah, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Take care of your physical and cognitive fitness all at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so over the course of your your research, uh, so what what results have you seen with with Tango on on Parkinson's? Yeah, so we've seen that it has improved balance, Mm -hmm. clinical measures, standard clinical physical therapy measures of balance, of walking, Mm Uh, basically, people take longer stride lengths and they uh, walk faster, mm-hmm. um, both forward and backward. We've seen this. We've okay. also seen that their fastest possible walking has increased, mm-hmm. which is important because, you know, we all need to cross the street every now and then. Right. And you have to be able to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and backward walking is important because we all have to take backward steps here yeah. and there. <laughs> yeah. Whether or not we are aware of it, we do. We do need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also seen improved... Uh, let's see, balance walking, um, endurance. Mm-hmm. The six-minute walk test is another standard measure of like endurance and the, the how far can you walk in six minutes, and people have walked further, so we know that it, it definitely plays into that aerobic fitness component. Okay. And um, we've also seen that disease severity has been somewhat attenuated by these classes, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. We've seen that quality of life has improved, so standard mm-hmm. measures of quality of life yeah. have improved as a result of participation. And we're seeing more evidence that cognition is also being improved, particularly mm-hmm. spatial cognition. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it seems like it, it takes care of mental, physical, cognitive yeah. health, all these things. Yeah, that's great because, of course, we hear from tango dancing, everybody feels so good and energized, and it's nice to have – you know, a scientist as yourself telling us exactly what is happening in our brains and bodies. So it's, it's, it's not just a <laughs> well, feeling. We're trying it, to it's figure reality. it out. We don't know exactly what's going on in the brain, <laughs> yeah. but we're working that out. Heck, mm-hmm. people don't even know why deep brain stimulation works, to be oh, honest, which is a major okay. surgical intervention that people with Parkinson's and others and other conditions are undergoing. And the mechanism of why that might work or not or not work in some cases oh. is not clear. So heck, we're trying to figure these things out one step at a time. (laughs) Okay, good, 
Good. Yeah, that's it's nice to hear the, the scientific side of why we're why we're feeling great. Yeah. So not too long ago, uh, it's more let the listeners know I attended this wonderful workshop that you put on um, oh. in in your system of learning adapted tango teaching this mm-hmm. adapted tango specifically for people with movement disorders such as Parkinson's. Um, so how did you come up with that really wonderful, wonderfully detailed system? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I, first of all, had excellent mentors in partner dancing back in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly I had great teaching early on when I went to New York University Tisch School of the Arts in Mm -hmm. terms of contemporary dance and in ballet. I had excellent training through those years and then that just fed nicely into what I did when I I kind of transitioned to becoming more of a ballroom dancer. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I learned I learned how to teach Argentine tango while at Stepping Out Studios in New York City. Ah, yes. Yeah, and I had some excellent mentors uh, like Angel Figueroa and Mm -hmm. um, there's who showed me how to teach, basically. And so it was just, I think you learn how to teach by trial and error, but it, you begin by taking great classes from great teachers. Mm-hmm. And you learn how they think about dance and how they structure steps. Mm-hmm. And so I had that sort of background already. I already knew how to teach classes at a beginner or intermediate level. Uh-huh. It's just a matter of translating those. Like I knew what the syllabus of steps were. Mm-hmm. I knew what one should do. So basically I took a, a typical like what one teaches anyway mm-hmm. it, from what I had learned in, in New York, you know, the, the, the groupings of steps, the crusada, when you do, uh, introduce that and how you approach rhythm, how you approach the steps, how you break things down for people, etc. And I, mm-hmm. I started teaching out just the way I had learned, you know, so the way I had learned to teach and what I had been doing in New York, et cetera, for the general population. Mm -hmm. And that's basically how I taught the classes with a few modifications because I realized that we were going to need to modify some things, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure exactly what. But I did that. That's basically what I did in that first pilot study. Okay. I think I threw in some like Tai Chi stuff and some other sorts of things that I helped, I thought would help ground mm-hmm. them and get them more in touch with their um, their body parts, etc. Mm-hmm. For example, um, you know, I used to be a Pilates and yoga teacher, etc. Uh-huh. So I had all these like sort of influences on how you just get people to move in general. Okay. But after that first year, I did start making some modifications when we did another study in the following year where mm-hmm. we were comparing waltz and foxtrot to tango. Okay. And what I did was I came up with this rhythmic entrainment section. So we mm-hmm. literally just start walking around the room to different rhythms. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that that might have actually had its roots actually in, I worked with Robin Thomas, who's a well-known ah, Longaro yes. oh, yeah. instructor mm-hmm. many years ago. I'm talking year 2001. Okay. I, I, I like was practicing with him a few times, and I also took a couple of lessons from him later on. Yep. But at that time, he was kind of just getting into things. Anyway, I remember him having like a unique approach to just walking around the room and understanding rhythm. And I, I don't know if that's where it came from. Some, okay. I, I can't pinpoint exactly, but I know that he had. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I got rid of some ideas that I knew about tango. Like, came up in tango, Argentine tango, and people were very like. Most people thought that it wasn't a good idea to, to listen to ballroom tango, for example. <laughs> yeah. But 
I started kind of freeing myself up from certain traditions, mm -hmm. dogmatic ideas, mm -hmm. restrictions, mm -hmm. in order to adapt this tango so that I could most help people with Parkinson's yeah. in terms of their problems that I was perceiving. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I cut myself loose from those restrictions of no ballroom tango, for example, and I started using ballroom tango. Yep. In fact, I used the stuff, you know, with the snare drum. Mm. That kind of thing, because they didn't need to struggle with hearing the beat. Right. They're already having a hard time, like, getting their left foot to move after the right foot. And mm. So I just wanted to make things as simple as possible. And so I use a blend now, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's okay. like you have the tools at your disposal. If you need, if your part participants are having t t trouble mm -hmm. with coordinating their steps to the beat, which they did, mm -hmm. ubiquitous, everyone was having, well, they were having a lot of trouble. And you know, frankly, yeah. people in general classes do too. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to make this easy. And so we would just practice walking around the room mm -hmm. to really, really obvious music. Well, to me, obvious, but still, you know, people have a hard time with it. Mm -hmm. And I also, we would just, we would just really break it down to the, the basic elements, which has been shown in people with Parkinson's. If you can break things down into simpler elements, they're going to get it better mm -hmm. in terms of sort of motor learning process. And so we now do, we clap a rhythm and then we tap it with our foot mm -hmm. and then we shift in our hips yeah. And then we march it in place, and then we walk around in the mm. rhythm. And that has been a great way of learning rhythm. And people are able to do pretty complex things, mm -hmm. really you know, complex and even syncopated rhythms. And nice. it's all based with the framework of quicks and slows mm -hmm. and um, understanding when your body needs to move. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like where in space it needs to move, where and when. Nice. So se separating the time from space, the spatial idea of the movement has been has been helpful. And that, then after they've got that down and they've got the shape of the movement in other sections, mm -hmm. just let them put it together. And if they can get it to the music, great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if they don't necessarily, you know, a lot of folks have freezing of gait issues and some other issues. We we still right. congratulate them for trying. And I think mm -hmm. I think the process of neuroplasticity says it's about trying new things, about challenging your brain. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it means that you have to reach some sort of aesthetic judgment that one might put upon mm. what it should look like. And yeah. so I've released myself also from that. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not about the way it looks. Yeah. yeah. Um, we do try to retain a lot of the concepts of leading and following. Mm-hmm. And which I think is vital. I think the tactile communication of cues can be really, really impactful. Mm -hmm. And so, the, you know, the, I think the basic elements, the basic idea of what tango is are very much retained in the adapted version. Okay. It's, just, it's just more, it's just designed to be as, as accessible as possible for as many people with whatever issues, impairments, etc. they may have. Okay. And frankly, today, mm -hmm. were I to go and teach a, adapted, a, a regular Argentine tango class to mm -hmm. the general community, I would probably teach it very similarly on a beginner level to the way oh. I do, I teach adapted tango. Nice. I would, because I find that people are able to feel like they're dancing. Mm -hmm. And I, I know this empirically because I've taught 
many, 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 many people who do not have Parkinson's mm -hmm. in these classes because they're volunteers. And of course, you know, the past weekend right. is a good example too. These were a lot of folks didn't have any tango background. Yep. And because I just find that it's, they're able to get up and move and start dancing mm -hmm. much quicker than they were previously. I think that, you know, we all learn, we learn stuff in stages yeah. and you're able to dance at a certain level today, mm -hmm. but you're not going to be able to dance perfectly the way things are supposed to be done right. today. It has, yeah. that's, that's something for the future. Yeah. And so I think it's dance is gained in layers mm -hmm. and that's, that's a, an overarching concept for me in my dance teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, that's not, yeah, that just applies to us as dancers in general, but also for, for the Parkinson's patients. It's excellent. Uh, I remember after taking a workshop, I did incorporate some of that rhythmic stuff into my class uh, last week. And then they, there was a good response to that. So <laughs> any tools that help your students get yeah. where you want them to go. Yeah. Used. Yeah. And if that's helpful, awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, it's really great. I love how you broke things down and just really got them into manageable increments and then working their way up. Because a lot of patients, they come and they say, tango, I can't tango. They think of this exotic, you mm -hmm. know, dance in their heads. But then when you go through this, this system that you've developed bit by bit, they before long, they're, they're dancing. <laughs> they so, are. Yeah. I, I, yes, that's terrific. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Okay, so what kind of future would you like to see for Tango as a treatment for PD, or what are you perhaps working towards? Great question. Um, I would love it if Tango could be more, or that the Tango elements could be incorporated into the physical therapy session. Mm. So, you know, the sort of, sort of first line of, the fence we have is the physical therapist. I mm -hmm. think all people with Parkinson's, they should definitely go get a referral with a physical therapist early on in the disease course. Mm -hmm. I would love for them to involve more and more elements like that. I'd mm -hmm. love to see more community classes available uh, with qualified instructors and more people to be willing to try it out and see if they like it and maybe do it regularly because I think habitual dancing, we've seen lots of studies at this mm -hmm. point that are showing that dancing is a great thing to stave off things like Alzheimer's disease yeah. and to keep you, keep you young. So I think it's, it's a healthy activity. It's full of rules. So socially, it's, it's maybe easier for mm -hmm. some people who mm -hmm. are not the most extroverted. I think the rules yeah. actually help a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see yeah, more community classes on a widespread basis. Oh, and wouldn't it be great if doctors could start, start prescribing like adapted tango or other yeah. forms of dance. Heck yeah. yeah. They're prescribing exercise. Why not prescribe adapted tango or other forms of partner dance to help these individuals because it seems to make such a big impact on them, mm -hmm. especially those who are suffering from social isolation and a bit mm -hmm. of depression. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. It seems to make a big difference. And I think that it keeps them in the community and not – so they don't become invisible. Right. So yeah, I would love insurance <laughs> yes. to start paying for one's dance lessons. That would be fantastic. Yes. I think it happens in Europe. I, I think okay. I've heard of this in yeah. various cases. It can happen. We just need to understand. Well, I have some thought that um, I think that looking at how, I mean, it's possible that it could help, that it could work in, in concert with drug therapies and mm -hmm. perhaps surgical options and examining that and seeing 
what exercise's role is with drug efficacy mm-hmm. and other sorts of interventions would be would be great too. Yeah. I think to understand that. Yeah, and you know, try dancing. Just more people to try it and be open to it and dance their way through their lives would I think would be helpful. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, you know, what you mentioned about having doctors prescribe it. I think, you know, that there is something to that. I mean, just in my own experience, talking to, to dancers, or the more elderly dancers who have health issues, and when they started dancing tango, they started getting better. Their doctors, they said, they would tell me, oh, my doctor said, oh, you're doing better. What, do you, what have you been doing differently? And they said, I've been doing tango dancing. And they said, oh, well, keep doing it. <laughs> so, yes. Well, so, doctors, yeah. I think, are very, very uh, supportive of that. They want mm-hmm. their patients to be doing things that are getting them out um, involved Mm-hmm. Seeing other people right. is very, very important. Humans, humans uh, benefit from that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. The touch. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, Madeline, what current projects or current research are you working on that that you that you are allowed to tell us about? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I just finished a pilot study with um, a postdoctoral uh, student of mine, mm-hmm. Dr. Amit Abraham, who's fantastic, and I think he's got a, a faculty appointment with UGA. Mm-hmm. He is. He just did dynamic neurocognitive imagery training mm. with Parkinson's, and we have some promising findings, and so that's oh. really ex- love to see how these sorts of other techniques for understanding body and movement could impact um, benefits from dancing. Mm-hmm. I think the more that you learn about your body and how it moves and the anatomy and your what it is that your brain needs to do to go through and actually move, the more people understand this and the more they can kind of relax and try different movement techniques and not be afraid of certain movements, the more they can do this. I think that that can certainly impact dance training and the mm-hmm. benefits they receive from from dancing. Okay. Um, there's that, and mm-hmm. the, that's exciting. And then I am going to be publishing soon the results of my career development award from the VA, the Department of the VA. All right. Which is really exciting. I cannot tell you the findings. Okay. I'll just tell you that mm-hmm. I compared leaders to followers. Okay. And we did look at some of the brain mechanisms of what's going on when you're like leading or following a movement. Okay before and after training mm. and so this is really exciting findings that I um, I need to publish before okay. I start revealing to the world. Sure, <laughs> yes, I understand. Excellent. That sounds really exciting and we'll, um, we'll, we'll keep up with that and we'll, we're looking forward for, to hearing the results. Um, so Madeline, where can we find out more about you online? Uh, let's see. Well, there is... Um, our company, www.movementdisorderstraining.com. Okay. That's a small company that I, it's an LLC. Okay. That I, doctor, and doctors Trisha Creel and Doherty Rebusol had found in mm-hmm. order so we could deliver safe and effective training to other, you know, to fitness instructors and therapists who mm-hmm. wanted to either deliver exercise or want to deliver partner dance to populations that need a more therapeutic approach. Mm-hmm. There's also, um, I can be found on the Emory website. Okay. I don't know the exact actual www. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give you the web link. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you can find out more about me on um, 
the Emory webpage. Just okay. Google Madeline Hackney, and there I am. And actually, there's a lot of information on the internet if you were to do Madeline sure. Hackney. Sure. With the G's, M-A-D-E-L-E-I-N-E. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll have all that in the show notes. Um, I think a, okay. a number of our listeners are also, you know, in the medical fields and they're academics. So I think a lot of okay. what you mentioned would be of interest to um, a pretty pretty sizable percentage of our our audience. Cool, 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 cool. There's also the uh, Center for Visual and Neurocognitive Rehabilitation, the Atlanta VA Center, which um, I'm a part of, I'm a member of. And I think there's a little bit about me on there, on those websites too. Okay, great. All right, thank you again, Madeline, for your time. This has been really interesting. It's really nice to hear about this side of of tango because it's it's not just a feeling that you're getting better when you dance. There is there's a lot of scientific research to back it up. And and Madeline, you are on the, on the front lines <laughs> of all, a lot of that. We really appreciate what you're doing. There is, and also trust one's feelings. If you yes. feel like you're getting better, that's a good thing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's really important. Good. Good. Okay. All right, Madeline, thank you again for taking the time out to talk to me. I know you're extremely busy, got a lot of things going on, but it really means a lot. Oh, this is my great pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. We'll be in touch. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Wow. That was some great stuff. And how fascinating is it to hear from someone who's combining tango and medical research? Madeline's detailed syllabus for teaching adapted tango to patients with PD is really engaging, organized, and fun. I was lucky enough to check it out firsthand in early November 2017, and she's given me a lot of useful ideas on conducting my own tango classes for PD patients. As tango dancers, we often report feeling refreshed and invigorated after a night of dancing, and it's really satisfying to know that someone like Madeline is out there proving, with hard science, that tango is indeed medically good for us. During our conversation, she said a lot of interesting stuff, but what stuck out to me was that she never loses sight of the simple but important idea that tango is meant to be enjoyed. Yes, it's seriously applied as treatment for Parkinson's, but the bottom line is that it should be fun. Increasing quality of life while having a great time in the process, it's a perfect combination. So thank you, Madeline, for all your hard work and research, and thank you again for your time. And to all of you listeners, thank you again so much for tuning into Joe's Tango Podcast. If you enjoyed this program and you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, it would mean the world to me if you could go to any one or all three of those platforms, leave a five-star rating, a positive review, and remember to subscribe. It only takes a minute, but does a lot to help more people find this podcast. Now, on SoundCloud, I don't think they have stars. There's just that little heart button uh, next to the track. It's pretty easy to spot. Just give that a click, and you're good to go. And, of course, sharing this with your friends would also be lovely. I truly, truly appreciate your support. Okay, that's it for now. We'll have more shows coming to you every Monday and sometimes on Fridays, but definitely every Monday. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.